Hello and welcome to the Minimum Competence episode for Thursday, December 21st, 2023. I'm your host for today, Andrew Leahy, a tax and technology attorney from New Jersey. In today's episode, we have Trump challenging Colorado ruling before SCOTUS, California law barring guns in public blocked, M&A seems to be making a comeback, and new NASDAQ board diversity rules set to take effect. Let's remember, just as nature endures the solstices, darkness before rebirth, the legal system navigates through uncertainty towards resolution. Oh, and let's read today's legal news. On this day in legal history, December 21st, we spotlight a pivotal moment in the civil rights movement, the start of racially integrated bus service in Montgomery, Alabama. On December 21st, 1956, a significant change unfolded in the streets of Montgomery as buses began operating under a new integrated system. This historic shift came after enduring federal court rulings that conclusively terminated the practice of onboard segregation. The genesis of this transformative moment can be traced back to the courageous efforts of the African-American community in Montgomery. Their resilience was epitomized in the Montgomery bus boycott, a protest sparked by Rosa Parks' refusal to give up her seat to a white passenger. This boycott, lasting over a year, was a strategic and peaceful defiance against segregation and racial injustice. Two key figures in this historic change were Rev. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Rev. Ralph Abernathy. As prominent leaders of the bus boycott, they symbolized the relentless struggle for equality and justice. On that significant day, they were among the first to ride the buses under the newly implemented integrated service. The Montgomery bus boycott and the subsequent integration of the bus service marked a crucial victory in the civil rights movement. It not only challenged and changed segregation laws, but also galvanized the fight for civil rights across the United States. This event is a testament to the power of collective action and the enduring pursuit of equality. The legacy of December 21st, 1956 continues to resonate as a reminder of the long and ongoing journey towards racial equality. It stands as a beacon of hope and a symbol of the enduring spirit of resistance against injustice. Today, we remember and honor this monumental day in legal history, a day that forever changed the fabric of American society. The U.S. Supreme Court, reshaped by former President Donald Trump, is set to confront a series of cases that could significantly impact the 2024 presidential election. Central to these cases is Trump's role in the events leading up to the January 6th of 2021 attack on the Capitol, where his supporters attempted to obstruct the certification of Joe Biden's victory. These cases mark the Supreme Court's most politically charged involvement in elections since the decisive 2000 ruling in favor of George W. Bush. Erwin Chemerinsky, a dean of the U.S. Berkeley School of Law, highlights the unprecedented potential of the court to influence the upcoming election, particularly regarding Trump's ballot eligibility and the progression of his federal criminal prosecution. Amidst a conservative shift in American law, the court's approach to these cases is closely watched, especially after recent rulings on key issues like abortion and gun rights. A pivotal moment is Trump's vow to challenge a Colorado court ruling disqualifying him from the state's primary ballot. The outcome of this appeal could set a precedent for similar challenges in other states. Currently, Colorado is the only state among 32 to disqualify Trump based on the 14th Amendment, which prohibits those involved in insurrection from holding federal office. The Supreme Court's decision in the Colorado case could influence similar efforts nationwide, with Michigan, a politically critical state, also considering a related case. Leah Littman, a law professor at the University of Michigan, underscores the high stakes of these disputes for democracy, particularly in their implications for upholding the peaceful transition of power. The court is also entangled in criminal cases against Trump. Special counsel Jack Smith has requested the court to rule on Trump's claim of immunity from prosecution for actions related to his 2020 election defeat. Additionally, the court will decide if obstruction charges related to the January 6th assault are applicable, which could affect Trump, who faces similar charges. Trump, facing four criminal prosecutions, has pleaded not guilty in all cases. His legal team may soon seek Supreme Court intervention in a defamation lawsuit by E. Jean Carroll. Despite the court's conservative leaning, experts like Stanford Law's Michael McConnell do not anticipate bias in favor of Trump. 
even though the legal issues are more nuanced than in post-election litigation. A U.S. federal judge has temporarily blocked a California law set to ban the carrying of guns in most public places from January 1st. U.S. District Judge Cormac Carney of the Central District of California issued a preliminary injunction stating that the law would unconstitutionally deprive concealed carry permit holders of their Second Amendment right to carry a handgun in public for self-defense. He described the law as sweeping and repugnant to the Second Amendment. California Attorney General Rob Bonta expressed intentions to appeal the decision, arguing that if the ruling stands, it would put communities at risk by allowing guns in areas frequented by families and children. Governor Gavin Newsom criticized the decision, voicing concerns about the proliferation of guns in sensitive areas like hospitals, libraries, and playgrounds. The law, signed in September, aimed to prohibit concealed firearms in 26 types of, quote, sensitive places, which include hospitals, playgrounds, and places of worship. Judge Carney's ruling pointed out the law would turn almost every public place in California into a sensitive place, effectively negating the Second Amendment rights for law-abiding citizens to defend themselves in public. The Second Amendment's interpretation has long been debated in the U.S., especially with gun violence being a leading cause of death among children since 2020. Judge Carney referenced recent Supreme Court rulings that have expanded gun rights, stating that individuals must be able to exercise their right to self-defense, including bearing arms responsibly. Chuck Michael, president of the California Rifle and Pistol Association, which filed the lawsuit, argued that the state's politicians are refusing to accept Supreme Court rulings that uphold gun-carrying rights. Michael hailed the court's decision as a recognition of the state's overreach in gun control measures. In 2023, global mergers and acquisitions, that's M&A activity for those in the biz, dropped to its lowest point in a decade, influenced by high interest rates and economic slowdowns. The total M&A volume fell 18% to around $3 trillion, the lowest since 2013. Dealmakers attribute this decline to increased financing costs for acquisitions and economic uncertainties, making price agreements challenging. Despite the downturn, experts foresee a rebound in M&A activity. In the United States, M&A volumes decreased by 8% to $1.42 trillion, while Europe and the Asia-Pacific regions saw sharper declines. Private equity-led buyout volumes globally also fell by 38%. However, the fourth quarter of the year showed a 19% increase in deal volumes, mainly driven by significant transactions in the oil and gas industry, including ExxonMobil's $60 billion acquisition of Pioneer Natural Resources and Chevron Corp's $53 billion purchase of Hess Corp. The report highlights the challenges in deal-making due to a tough antitrust environment and lengthy regulatory reviews, especially for cross-border deals. The uncertainty of regulatory regimes due to upcoming elections in the U.S. and India may also affect M&A activities. However, corporate buyers are expected to continue their strategic M&A planning. Shareholder activism is rising, potentially driving more M&A activity. M&A advisors are optimistic, noting a more robust pipeline of deals for 2024 compared to the previous year. This optimism is echoed by Jim Langston of Cleary, Gottlieb, Steen, and Hamilton, who notes an acceleration in market confidence and active transaction dialogues. NASDAQ Inc.'s rules requiring listed companies to have diverse boards or explain their absence will take effect by December 31st, following the Securities and Exchange Commission's approval in 2021. These regulations, surviving a legal challenge from two conservative groups in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, are based on the premise that board diversity information is significant to investors. Companies must now include at least one board member who is a woman, belongs to an underrepresented minority, or identifies as LGBTQ+, or publicly explain noncompliance. NASDAQ's definition of underrepresented minorities includes various racial and ethnic groups. Exceptions are provided for newly listed companies and those with very small boards. By the end of 2025, companies on NASDAQ's global or global select market tiers must have at least two diverse directors, one being a woman and the other from an underrepresented minority or LGBTQ community. Smaller firms have until 2026 to meet this requirement. Companies with small public floats or revenues can satisfy this with two female directors, regardless of minority or LGBTQ status. 
Foreign companies and smaller boards have more lenient requirements. Since 2022, companies have disclosed board demographics using NASDAQ's diversity matrix. However, a Bloomberg Law analysis observed a decrease in boards with women and minority or LGBTQ directors from 2022 to 2023. The Fifth Circuit could still overturn these rules if the full court decides to review the decision by the three-judge panel, who was composed of judges appointed by Democratic presidents. The majority of judges on the full court are appointed by Republicans. Non-compliant companies will receive a grace period from NASDAQ's listing qualifications department. Persistent non-compliance could lead to delisting, subject to an appeal to a NASDAQ hearings panel. And with that, I thank you so much for listening to Minimum Competence, your daily news podcast for lawyers. If you're looking for more than Minimum Competence, links to further reading on all the topics touched on today are in the show notes. And reviews go a long way towards helping new listeners to find our show. If you have a moment and can leave a rating or review on your podcast player, we'd sure appreciate it. And if you know someone that might be interested in a story we cover, consider sending them the episode. Minimum Competence is available at minimumcomp.com and wherever you get your finely crafted podcasts. If you haven't checked out the website in a while, give it a look. There are complete transcripts and resources for each episode and its corresponding segments, as well as an opportunity to receive new episodes in email newsletter form. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And until then, remember, as we gather today on Festivus Eve Eve, get the pole out of the crawl space and make your lists of grievances. 